As we look at Jesus and our salvation, and the importance of that is in our lives. That's what we're talking about today. How we understand salvation and the choices that we get to make, and what that looks like to us according to God's word. We, we are in the second phrase that Jesus used from the cross in our series, Words from the Cross. Last week, we dealt with his first phrase when he looked and said, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. Today, we look at the second phrase in that same gospel, Luke, Luke chapter 23, if you have your Bible with you today, your phone, iPad, whatever you pull that up on, it's also in your listening guide today. It's just that couple of verses that we're going to look at as we set the stage for what Jesus says in this last time. Salvation is a theme. Salvation is what Jesus wanted to help this thief understand and what the Bible would teach us to understand about how our lives must come to that place of being able to choose Christ, being able to understand who he is and the choice that is before us as he delivers that to us here in this 23rd chapter of Luke. Luke was all about salvation in the writing of his gospel. Well, Jesus was too, right? That's why it was so easy for Luke to write about salvation because that really was the theme of Jesus' life. His whole theme was that he had come to seek and save that which is lost. And Luke really helps us through his gospel to understand that. I'm going to read a couple of verses that he helps us with. Matter of fact, it's all through the Gospel of Luke. If you read through it, you understand more of the salvation. But really, for example, in the third chapter, he begins talking about that. He talks about here the Messiah's coming, a voice of one crying out in the wilderness, preparing the way of the Lord, make his path straight. Every valley will be filled. Every mountain and hill will be made low. The crook will become straight, the rough way smooth, and everyone will see the salvation of God. He also tells us in the fourth chapter when he says, the spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to preach the good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim the release to the captives and recover the sight of the blind to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor all through Luke. He deals with the understanding of salvation and what it means. In Luke chapter 7, for example, he tells us about the importance of when you love much, you forgive much. And he gives that whole story of the lady who cared so much that she, that she washed his feet with her tears and with her hair. And then at the end of that phrase in verse 50 of chapter 7, he says, and he said to the woman, your faith has saved you. Go in peace. In Luke chapter 9, he gives us some other example of that when he talks to us about taking up the cross. Then he said to all of them, if anyone who wants to follow after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross daily and follow me. For whoever wants to save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life because of me will save it. For what does it benefit someone if he gains the whole world and yet loses or forfeits his soul? Luke was all about that. In the 15th chapter, Jesus helps us to understand that according to Luke with the parables that he gave. For example, he gave the parable of the lost sheep in the 15th chapter, the first few verses. At the end of that, it says, I tell you in the same way, there will be more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous people who do not need repentance. Second part of that, the parable of the lost coin where the lady lost the coin, but she found it. And Jesus says, I tell you in the same way, there is joy in the presence of God's angels over one sinner who repents. 
And then that same chapter, he gives us the, the story of the parable of the lost son that, came back, that comes back to the father. And the father says, because the son of mine was dead and is alive, he was found. That's why we are celebrating. And he tells the older son, he said to him, you are always, you're always with me and everything I have is yours. But we had to celebrate and rejoice because this brother of yours who was dead is alive again. He was lost and now he is found And so that theme of salvation, that theme of being found, is all through the Gospels, is all through the life of Christ. And so when we come to this second saying of Jesus, these words from the cross, we find this theme of salvation. And you might know this story. It's found there in Luke, the 23rd chapter. It's uh, found in different ways in the other Gospels. None of them uh, talk about this one who comes to Christ other than Luke. That's why his view of salvation is so critical to us. But you might recall the story as we look at Luke chapter 23, starting in verse 35. The people were standing around. They were seeing Jesus on the cross. And that's where we are, obviously. In this time period, we see Jesus on the cross. He is there between those two criminals who went up to Calvary with him, one on his right and one on his left, it tells us. And they had put that theme on top of him that this is the king of the Jews, and they were laughing at him and making fun of him and scoffing at him. Everyone was doing that, the the Roman soldiers, those who were around the people who had watched uh, the drama, everything, everything had taken place. They had, had seen that. They had watched that. They had been a part of that. They were, they were involved with making fun of him. Yet here were these two thieves on the cross beside of him. Uh, this, the narrative tells us that one of these thieves who was here began to do the same thing, to join in, to talk to Jesus about how if he could save himself, why didn't he do that if he was the Christ, the Messiah, salvation. Why why didn't he save himself? Did he not have the power to do that? Did he not have the strength to do that? Well, he would say to Jesus, why don't you save yourself and save us while you're at it? You know, just just a little added bonus in there when he really was being a, a very selfish person who he really cared about the most was himself. Yet the thief on the other side began to say to the thief over on the other side, he said, do you not fear God? Do you, do you not know that we're in the same place? Is there no fear of God for you? And that really is an important part of this passage. Salvation begins as we begin to understand our need for God, and salvation begins when we begin to think of God as the one to which we are fearful. It is, it is a hard thing to fall into the hands of a fearful God, an angry God, one who has provided for us salvation, and we have chosen to go the other direction. He tells us, That narrow is the way that leads to salvation, but broad is the way that leads to destruction, which breaks the heart of God himself because he wants all to come to know him. That's why he clearly gives us this salvation passage. We're going to look this morning, as you have your listening guys, we're going to look quickly at the positions of Jesus and the thief on the cross and the position of ourselves in this side. So if you have your listening guide before you, we'll try to walk through these. And understand that where we are in this is important in position. See, Jesus is in the center of these two thieves. It wasn't by accident. It wasn't by something that just happened to occur. But that was God at work, right? It was God who was doing the work inside that. God who was doing the work to get ready for what we sang about earlier, the whole idea of the resurrection and nothing's going to hold us back. Matter of fact, that's what my shirt says, you know, uh, ain't no grave. I love that song. I love that song because it helps us to understand that in our lives, nothing's going to hold us back. 
But yet here Jesus is, and we get this theme of him being in the center, not by accident, but by the work of God himself for purpose. So let's look, first of all, at this position that Jesus has before us, that he has put himself in the position that God has done to do some things to help us. First of all, he has done this position to fully demonstrate the depths of his shame, of the shame that he carries for us. Remember, he is the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. That's that's my sin, really. It's your sin too, but for me it's personal, so it's my sin. And I began to understand the shame that Christ took on in this place, in this center position. He took on the shame of the whole world, the shame of all of my sin, the shame of all of your sin, of everything you've done. How can, how can we even get that concept that our brokenness, our sinfulness, the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life, this gift of God that he's given to you and to me, that understanding that he, he takes away the shame that comes along with our sin. Second thing is he shows us the position as a substitute a position as a substitute. See, right in the middle, it, we, we have this battle, right? We have this understanding of, of the evil that's going on, the good and the bad. That one who says, why don't, you, why don't you be quiet? Are you not afraid of God? And the other one who is laughing at Christ. So right in the middle of that, he begins to demonstrate for us this position as a substitute, the one who is going to take your place to die for your sin and mine, just like in the Old Testament when Abraham looked over at that thicket and saw the lamb, and, and God said, this is the lamb that I had provided. And so he does for us. We look at the cross, we look at Calvary, we see the center tree, we see the, the center cross, and on that center cross is Christ, the one who has paid the penalty for your sin and mine, the one who has demonstrated their understanding that he is in the position of the one who substituted his self for us. Third, to show the drama of salvation and man's response. So here we see Jesus in this center position who is showing that on one side there's salvation and how man is going to respond to that. Jesus in the center calling out to people, come to me, calling out to the world around us, come and know that I can give salvation. We live in a lost and dying world, right? We, we saw it this weekend as we saw all the things that happened in New Zealand and our heart should break for that. But in reality, we understand this fallen world and inside that people need Christ there is no other no other way of salvation other than Christ and Christ alone oh there are people who talk about other ways there are people who project other ways there are people who deny that but yet we know that the cross is center and Christ is in the center cross fourth to project the sovereignty of God I've alluded to that already, and the fact that this cross where Jesus was in this position was not by something that just was happenstance, but it was God at work. God put him in that center place so that when we look, we see the one who has died for us. And then fifth, to let us see the saviorhood of Christ. He is your savior if you have confessed your sins, believe in your heart that he had been raised from the dead, then you will be saved. Just like the choir was singing, what brings salvation? It's Christ. It's he who has done the work on the cross. It's what he has done to pay for your sin, for my sin on the cross. That's what he has done. And so we look at back at this passage and here the, this one thief is saying to the other guy, don't you fear God? Do you not fear what's going to happen? We deserve this kind of punishment. 
And then this thief says in verse 42, he said to Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. Now, you notice that this other thief on the cross who had been hurling inserts at Christ, Jesus never responded to him. He never said anything to him. Now, you can be assured that we're going to go through life and we're going to be persecuted. We're going to be talked about as Christians. That's something that we haven't experienced as much as other Christians around the world. But you can be assured that's going to happen in our lives, right? And when we, when we stand up for Christ, Jesus' response was to this other man, nothing. He did not even respond to him. He responded to this thief who cared Enough to be able to say, Lord, remember me today. Please, Lord, remember me when you come into your kingdom. So let's see the position that this thief on the cross holds for us. First of all, we see that he is a representative sinner. He represents all of mankind. He represents every person over here who is lost and crying out to God. And actually, both of these men, both of these thieves on the cross, criminals, represent mankind for us. One part that says, I'm not accepting Christ. I want nothing to do with Christ. I'm, I'm giving that up. I don't even believe in God. And the other side that says, yes, I recognize that there is salvation in Christ. And he represents a sinner who walks through this understanding, which goes on to number two. We see that the thief coming to the end of, him, of himself before he can be saved. And that's true for us. That's true for us. We must understand that we will never have salvation until we come to the end of ourselves. What do we mean by that? We will never have salvation until we get over the fact that we think we can't work our way into heaven. We can't do enough in order to make God love us more. That we can work in such a way that if we can do these things, if we can do these wonderful things, then God's going to love us and God's going to grant for us salvation. Yet this thief on the cross represents for us this understanding that he had to come to the end of himself. It is not possible for you in order to work your way into heaven. That is an impossibility according to the very scripture of the Lord. What we simply come to do is the third thing we've mentioned here is to see the meaning of repentance and faith. Repentance and faith go together. We, we can't understand the faith of becoming a follower of Christ unless repentance is in our life. Now, there are people who try to simply come to faith, and at some point they walk down an aisle or they were baptized or something wonderful might have occurred in their life. But, but as far as repentance goes, they've moved right back to doing the sin that they were doing before all that. And, and that may be true for many of us in the room. We can, we can remember that time, yet it was so long ago that the repentance of sin has kind of gone away. And so now we get back into doing what we want to do when we want to do it how we think about people, what we say about people, how we respond to things, how we react, all those things that are sinful in our lives, but we put somewhere else. Yet this man had to come to the end of himself like we do and understand that repentance. And that's what he's doing here. That's, that's what he's really saying in this verse when this thief cries out to Jesus and he says, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. Now, you, you got to get the scene, right? you got to understand that this guy is just not having this casual conversation. He is dying. This thief knows that in a few hours, maybe minutes, his life is over. He is desperate for God. He is desperate for God to do something in his life. And my fear is that there are so many around us that have no desperation for God because we think everything's fine. We think we have all that we need. We live in a great culture. We have all the resources there is around us. And surely God is such a loving, gracious, wonderful God that's full of mercy which he is, 
Surely because of all that, when our life is over, he'll just say, oh, you've done so well. You were such a good person. I'm just going to let you come on into heaven. That's not what this man was teaching us. He was teaching us that we must be desperate for God. We must cry out for the Father. We must cry out to Jesus. And we, as he's doing here, he is saying, remember me. There's number four, which is a spiritual awareness that happens. A spiritual understanding that I am lost without Christ. And friend, the question is, do you have that spiritual understanding today? Do you know where you are in relationship to your Lord and Savior? Do you know where you are in relationship to your own salvation? Can you affirm strongly and with great strength that, yes, I'm a follower of Christ? I hope you can. Our prayer would be that if you can't do that before you leave this building today, that you will come to Christ, that you would repent of your sins, that you would confess with your mouth, as Romans tells us, believing in our heart that Christ has been raised from the dead so that you can be saved. That is our heart and our prayer. And if you say, oh, I know I am saved, I know I am a follower of Christ, then our, our prayer would be that, then look at the world around us. Look, look at your neighbors who live on your street. Look at the people that you work with or your family members. Are we praying in desperation for them to come to Christ? for them to know this salvation as this thief was saying, remember me, Lord, when you come into your kingdom. Remember me because I have a spiritual awareness of who I am. The fifth thing, we see the, des we see the destination of the saved at death. And he says, Lord, I, I just want to come to your presence, to your kingdom. I want to be a part of what you are doing. That's the destination that we're seeking, right? That's what it looks like. But as we walk through this passage here, we get to how Jesus responds. And he says on this second phrase from the cross, he said to him, to this man, truly, for sure, I am telling you, this is, a, this is a word from God here. This is a word that God is speaking into this man's life. And it's a word that you can hear. It's a word that you can know for sure. There's a, there's a, great, a great assurance in the salvation that people need. There's a great assurance where we don't have to worry. Well, I, well, I hope I'm going to go to heaven. Well, when, when you die, are you going to spend eternity with God? Well, I sure hope so. I've done some good things. Jesus goes beyond the hope so. He says, I'm telling you truly here, this is a fact. You can count on it. Today, today is the day of salvation for you. That's the word that he uses here. It's in this moment. It's not, it's not, hey, when I come into my kingdom, I'm going to remember you. Jesus doesn't say that. He says it's now. Your repentance, your faith says today you are going to be saved. Man on the cross, buddy over here that didn't have time to do any good works. He didn't get to come down. He didn't get to go to church. He didn't get to sing great worship songs. He didn't get to do anything. All he did was cry out to God in desperation, remember me. And Jesus said today. Today, friend, you are remembered. Today is the day of salvation for you. Today is the day of salvation where you come to Christ with repentance and faith. And then he goes on to say, truly, I tell you, today you will be. It's an understanding of, of this man surrendering. So this understanding that today is a time of surrender for you. It's, it's coming to that place where we cry out to the Lord, Lord, you are the one. You're the mighty one. You, you're over everything. I can try as I want, I can do what I want to do, I can work as hard as I can, but in reality, Lord, in reality, I'm surrendering myself. Truly, I tell you that you will be. You, it's going to happen as you surrender yourself to him. And then today is the time for fellowship with the Savior, because he says, truly, I tell you, today you will be with me. 
Man, hear that word? It's a fellowship word. It's an understanding that now some of us, as we talk about heaven, and man, I, I love this song, Ain't No Grave, because we're looking forward to eternity, right? We're looking forward to what God's going to do. But in reality, in reality of what it is, Jesus says, it's today that you're fellowshipping with me. It's not something that you're going to do in the future. It's today that you begin that relationship, that relationship to saying that I'm a child of God. I'm not just a creation of God. All people might be a creation of God, but not all people are children of God. John John says that we're children of God when we come to Christ, that we become a child of God. And Jesus is saying, because you are coming to me in this day, you are getting to be with me. We're having fellowship together. Now, how do, how do we know he does that? This is the next phrase. Today, you can see the splendor of eternity. And he says, today, you will be with me in paradise. Well, I have to be honest and say there's a lot of people who have different views of what paradise really is and what that looks like. A lot of theological views of the end times, eschatology, all things related to that. But in reality, when you boil it all down, when you, when you take away all those pieces, it's an understanding that Jesus says, today, you're in my presence. You're with the presence of the Father. You're in the presence of the one that he had been praying to in that first that very first word from the cross when he said, Father. Now he's saying to this thief on the cross who's desperately coming to him, saying, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And Jesus says today, you are remembered. You're gonna be with me in paradise. And who is the me here? It's, it's the Trinity. It's, it's God the Father when he, when he is with, when Jesus, see, because the Bible tells us that today, Jesus is at the right hand of God. So it's not something that's coming in the future. It's, it's the understanding that this thief is gonna enjoy the very presence of God. And when our life is over, when our death is, when we come to this place of death, we're going to enjoy the presence of God if we have cried out in desperation to Jesus to say, Lord, I need you. I see your amazing grace. I see that your love for me is the most important thing. I see how you have gone to the center of all the universe and you died on the cross. And that's really the position that he shows us here. He shows us the position of Jesus on that Calvary's mountain in between these two thieves that in reality represent us. It represents the people in our community, those who choose to follow Christ and those who don't. It, it represents our nation. And man, there's no one in the room, I believe, to say their nation doesn't need to be healed and saved and revived, but it represents the choices. It represents what people do, the, the need for revival and, and renewal among believers and the need of those to be saved, but those, on the other hand, who just say, there's nothing there, that's not of God. And for our world, right? Globally, around the world, people who are opposed to Christ, who think there is nothing at the end of the age. When they die, their life is over. Or when they die, they're going to come back as something else. Or there's so many people who have so many different beliefs. But here on the cross, we're faced with Jesus, who's dying in the middle, who is right before us. And literally, we have to choose. And yes, we can talk about the world choosing and how they must come to Christ, and they must. And we can talk about the nation and our nation, how we need to come to Christ, and we desperately need that. And we talk about our community and all the lostness and hurt in our community, and there's so much of that in our community. But, but really, it comes down to you and me, how much we embrace who Christ is so that we can say, yes, we have salvation, or no, we don't.
And if we don't, when do we come to that place of saying, I must be saved? And for us who have salvation and we're able to say, I know I'm saved, it's a matter of saying, look around in our community, look at people who are lost in our community, in our nation, around the world. How do we begin to pray for them? How do we begin to pray for Jesus to to make himself so real through other people that they come to this salvation, this understanding? And it really is on these words that Jesus gives us from the cross when he says, today, I tell you, today you will be with me in paradise. And he's and he's screaming that out from the cross. You can just hear it, can't you? Can't you just hear Jesus screaming that out, saying to that thief, today, today, I mean, all the people jeering and all the people hollering and all the people talking, it just wasn't a casual conversation. He had to scream it across the, the land. He had to scream it in such a way that those who were there heard it. He had to scream it out to them. He had to scream it so that, that all those around could hear that this man, he had done nothing but hear Jesus and says, today, you're going to be with me in paradise. And, and friend, I think he's screaming out into your heart. If you're not a follower of Christ, he is screaming into your life, saying, come to me, repent. And if you are a follower of Christ, he's screaming into our lives, saying there are people who are lost, dying, going to hell in our neighborhoods, in our nation, and around the, and the world, and to all the nations. What are we doing about it? How are we standing up to scream it out also, Jesus is the way of salvation.